Welcome to the Let's Talk International Education podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Benny, founder of Top Schools. We're here for you, whether you're a parent, grandparent, a teacher, as long as you're interested in education, you're in the right place. We work hard to bring relevant, up-to-date and possibly controversial information on all things related to education. In this first season, we've invited education leaders from around the world, as well as parents just like you and I. We're pleased you found us. Don't forget to subscribe. And here's today's episode. Hello, my name is Barney Durrett, and I have the pleasure of leading St. Lawrence College in Ramsgate. I was recently in Hong Kong for eight years and had a fantastic time there. It's a place that's really special in our hearts. But two years ago, my family and I relocated back to St. Lawrence College. All three of my children attend the college and have a fantastic experience here. They love the high performance learning, the emphasis on sport and holistic education, and they love the 45 acres of green land that surrounds us. I really hope you'll join me shortly for this webinar where we can discuss more about St Lawrence College and about boarding in the UK. Good morning and welcome to this webinar with uh, myself, Ruth Benny, founder of Top Schools, and my great pleasure to welcome Mr Barney Durrant, um, Head of School at St Lawrence College in Ramsgate, Kent. Morning, Mr Durrant. Morning, how are you, Ruth? And lovely to see all the attendees here. Morning to everybody who's joined us this morning and morning to Esther Ma, a Year 7 student. Hi, Esther. Hey. And we'll talk to you a little bit later on. And we also do have a housemaster hopefully joining us in a few minutes. Had to run down to let the children in. So welcome. We saw a little video of you at the beginning there, Barney. So, of course, we know each other from Hong Kong. And you've explained that it's been two years that you've been back in the UK. That's unbelievable. So, so just, I mean, just any recap on, you know, we're talking today about the transition. How was it for you, really? Yeah, I mean, I've actually um, seen it from two sides because I was a full boarder from the age of seven. When I was younger, my parents lived in Africa. And so we used to trek over from Zambia, Malawi, South Africa, back to the UK and then go home every long holiday. So it had the sort of first-hand experience, but also, as you say, it's amazing that it's been two years. It really doesn't seem as though it's, uh, it's that long since we left Hong Kong. But all three of our children have transitioned into St. Lawrence, where I'm the head of college. And all three, they're all different, as some people may know them here, but uh, they've all loved it. And it's been as, as smooth as it really could have been, and particularly given they're all at different sort of ages and stages. So William's actually sitting his GCSEs at the moment, having come back into the end of year nine, beginning of year 10. Fred came into year eight, year nine, and Lexi came into sort of year six, year seven. So came into the junior school and then has, has also done a subsequent transition into the senior school. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, a time of change. Yeah, and I think that my two children obviously transitioned to the UK also a couple of years ago. And I feel that people put obstacles in the way. So what we want to do today is to really try to, you know, let give people some comfort that actually our children are also much more resilient than we give them credit for. We ran a poll, people were worried about a few things. So maybe we can just cover some of them off. Should we do that before or after we talk to Esther? Because I know you, you're bringing Esther on today. Let's have a quick chat with her so we can let her go yeah, back to her good. assembly. Morning, Esther. Morning, Miss. How are you? Good. So we had a quick chat off camera. So for everyone that's listening today, could you just introduce yourself? Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Esther. So I come from Hong Kong and I'm now I'm studying in year seven. And so when did you start at St. Lawrence, Esther? I started in last year, September. 
So it's your first year. So talk about, can you tell us some of the differences about what it's like, you know, studying in Hong Kong and studying at St. Lawrence in the UK? So in here, you would be so happy, like you do have homework to do, you do have, you do a lot of revision and you have a lot of fun in here. And I think the most big difference is the teacher is really good in here. So you remember in Hong Kong, so you do one question wrong. And you need to like do a lot of practice, practice, and then do the homework to teach it. But now in UK, you don't need, and that's quite good. And in here, it's not like in Hong Kong, like pusher in your learning. So it's yeah, more comfortable for learning. And you will love learning in here. So we should say you were in a local Cantonese medium school in Hong Kong before. So it's quite different, right? Very, very different. Yeah. What about outside of lessons? So what's, what's it like in the boarding house? So in the boarding house is one so fun. So in you have your roommates, like you have four people or five. So in my room, I I'm the only one who come from Hong Kong. So and I, my friend is really nice. My I have two roommates have school in here in last year that in a junior, and they they told me all the thing about the school, and then they teach me learn a new thing. I'm so thankful of them. They improved my English and then they teach me a lot of things in this school. And because of them, and then I meet a lot of friends. And in boarding house, we have a weekend after the Saturday activities, we can choose to go to Asta. So to go to the shop at back to, uh, to buy some snack and some, yeah. And then in Sunday, sometimes we go out for the park or sometimes we go to the shop and then we can go shopping sometimes we go to Primark and then we can buy clothes actually it's so fun and every day night we can have two options like we can go to coffee shop or we can go to sports hall to play football and which one do you choose I just go to football I like football do you and do you feel do you miss home a little bit or yeah I miss home so I call my parents in every day night and then I call them in 8 30 I always call them and then talk to them about what's happened to my school today and I'm happy today and like that. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Esther. I think that you, you've done, you've transitioned so brilliantly. So well done. And well done to St. Lawrence for supporting you in all of that. So if you need to pop off now to your assembly, we'll say goodbye. Okay. Okay. okay thanks, bye. Esther. Bye. Thanks, Esther. <laughs> So she's she's brilliant. I mean, you do have other lots of well, a few other Hong Kong students. Could you talk us through, you know, the differences and maybe some of the challenges that they might have in um, transitioning back to the UK? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know it really depends on the background of the pupil because obviously um, Esther's, as you mentioned, come from a local school. So you know the, the interactivity of lessons here is completely different. You know, it, it's much more collaborative, much more creative, and so on. So there's a bit of a um, an adjustment period there, and we tend to find that some of our Hong Kong pupils are, are not quite used to, um, I suppose, the noise in a classroom, the, the, the noise of creativity and, and, the, and the noise of genuine collaboration. So that, that's a, a small area. But socially, I think one of the things that uh, any new, new child um, finds coming to a brand new school. And indeed, as my children did, you know, we came to a brand new school in a brand new country, in a brand new even part of, part of the country as well. This wasn't an area we were familiar with. But the community and, and the sense of community, as Esther mentioned, being in with 
roommates being in with um, with people from from all over the world we've got about 25 to 30 different nationalities here at the school so it's a really diverse group of people um, mm. and that really helps I think to uh, you know everybody's in the same boat and it really helps to have that sort of shared feeling of of what you're going through and, and builds I think the empathy and the sort of emotional intelligence that's so important in in schools such as ours and mm. and in doing that having the buddy system so as she mentioned one of her pupils or sorry one of the roommates was her buddy who looked after her who made sure she got to the right place all those sorts of things but we also have a mentor system as well with where an older pupil can look after the younger pupils as well so it really feels like a genuine family inevitably people will feel homesick and my response to that is always, well, it just means that you love your parents, which actually is a good thing. But I think, you know, long gone are the days where you lock your phone away for three weeks and you're not allowed to speak to your parents. As Esther said, she's speaking to them on a regular basis. And actually, I think, you know, there's a concern that perhaps you lose a bit of relationship with your children. I think it, it gets stronger because you talk about all the lovely things and you don't have to nag them to be doing their homework in the evening as well. I agree 100%. And the time that you have with them is, is real quality time. And it they really appreciate is. the time that they spend with you um, almost yeah. as much as, as we as we appreciate. I think now is probably a good time to, to come to uh, Mr. Adam Gunn, Housemaster. So welcome, Adam. Uh, we, good morning. It's a pleasure to be good here. Good morning. What's the name of your house? I'm in charge of Tower House, which is a senior okay. boys boarding house. Right. So, so we were talking to Esther, who is a year seven girl. And just to sort of to reassure the parents, I mean, it, essentially, it's a home away from home, right? So obviously, the lessons, the academics is one aspect, but then their, their sort of quasi family life is, is in the house. Could you maybe just talk us through um, how it works, a sort of daily routine or, or how the children feel part of the house family? I think one of the things that gives the house a real family atmosphere is the fact that the, the staff, uh, whether it's myself or a deputy housemaster, or the tutor team are available to the boys and girls in boarding 24-7. It was really interesting to hear Esther talk about her experience and her face lighting up at her use of free time. And the pupils do have free time to, to engage in their chosen activities, to make the full use of the resources that we have here at the college. But also during structured time, whether it's tutor time or time spent on prep in the evenings, the pupils will always find that someone's at hand and available to them. So really, it's about us you know, surrounding the people with a whole package of support. I think that we're experienced enough at this school to know that pupils coming from places such as Hong Kong might need a bit of support in terms of adjusting to the culture of British boarding. So as Mr. Durant mentioned, we have various systems in place to support pupils to get the most out of their school experience, but also to pick them up if they're in need of, you know, something extra or, or need to talk through their experience. Some of the most valuable Aspects of that are certainly the buddy system. And, you know, very often we might pick someone who was new not so long ago, who can, you know, who's desperate to pay back the welcome that they experienced when they arrived at the college. And then often as well, someone a little bit older, where in my house, I might pick um, one of the senior prefects as a mentor to make sure that you know, any new pupils, be they from Hong Kong or, or elsewhere, is introduced to all the systems and, and understands the timings and the expectations of the school. Actually, we welcomed one or two pupils recently, and it was nice to speak to them with some confidence about how quickly they'll pick things up because of this various arrangement of people who can support them in different capacities. I was going to ask you, that's a good point, actually. Children might join at any point, right? Not necessarily at the beginning of the academic year or not necessarily after a long holiday. So is there anything special to support those children who are coming in midterm? Because I know that's something that parents worry about. 
Mm. Absolutely. I mean, we take all pupils that join through an induction process to make sure that they're fully aware of every aspect of our systems in the college, you know, whether it's um, basic information and important, crucial first information, such as fire drill, health and safety, showing them where the medical center is, which is available 24-7 to the pupils, you know, and all these things goes a real, a long way to reassuring, reassuring parents that that's the case. I spoke to parents yesterday about as well how we're available to them too. So really it's about this sort of triangulation of support package between myself as housemaster, the parents at home and the guardians who are working to support their pupils. And, and nowadays it's easier than it ever has been just to make sure that that dialogue is open, that the relationship is strong. Again, Mr. Durham was talking about the potential to feel homesick. And I think I'd imagine it's eased somewhat by you know, the pupils, the children we have here, very quickly understanding that actually people are in contact with one another. We're talking mm. about this shared goal of having a really enriched and exciting experience in, in boarding. Mm. So that, that open communication, those relationships, I think go, go a long way to easing the transition. Mm. But there's also an academic element as well, Ruth. So obviously, as you said, coming in at different times of the year, and we do have pupils. In fact, we had a pupil from Hong Kong start at the beginning of this term, actually. They were going to come in the sixth form and actually have ended up coming into year 10 because they wanted to make that, that move a little bit sooner at the moment. And so with her, we obviously have a, an academic tutor. So Mr. Gunn's a housemaster. He then has a team of tutors who will look after specific year groups. So eight to 10 pupils normally in a tutor group. And her tutor is working with her to make sure that she's caught up on all of the, the work that she's missed. Now, inevitably, coming from different systems, there'll be some things, and, and my children found this, some things that they've done that we haven't, and similarly, some things that we've done that they haven't. So they'll be an expert in some things and, and fly through um, you know, any, uh, any test, but it might get to another one where actually they haven't done anything. So working out exactly what those gaps are, and that's really the academic tutor's role, but also being a slightly smaller school where very much everyone gets to know everyone really quickly and there's so much time available in a boarding context to be able to catch up. So our teachers will be seeing her at break time or after school or in the boarding house and those sorts of things, just to really support her and make sure that she's got all, all that she needs from an academic point of view, as well as that pastoral side too. Mm. Just just to expand on, on that, it's a good point about the academics, because obviously Esther came from a local school. One, a question from one of the audience, which school did she come from? I, I can't remember exactly, but it was a very local Cantonese medium school. You That's must right. have children coming in from schools like from Esther's school, from international schools, but also I think there's a misperception that you don't have to be in a UK curriculum school. I guess you've got children coming in from IB schools or local schools. And is there any difference in the transition from for those children as opposed to coming from a UK curriculum school? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good point. And you're right. We do have a really broad selection of different backgrounds, I suppose, academic backgrounds, as well as you know, sort of international backgrounds and so on. Um, and inevitably, I mean, take the, the sort of the IB type program or the MYP or something like that. It does look at a slightly different selection of subjects. We have some pupils who come in having studied abroad sort of humanities based course rather than separate geographies, histories and so on. And so inevitably that takes a, a little bit of, of sort of working through. I think the key thing, though, is if you move when you're young enough, so much of it is about the skills of learning. So much of it is about learning how to learn. We're actually a high performance learning school. And so much of that is about the sort of explicit nature of how we learn, you know, really recognizing the processes by which we do that so that you can then apply them to different unfamiliar 
context. Mm. And so I think making a transition early, actually, it's not about the content to a certain extent. You know, content can be learned at any stage. It's really about the skills and the processes of learning. And all educational systems will, will obviously try to be, um, you know, giving you those skills. Yeah, no, I would agree. So if you can transition into year seven or eight or nine, yeah. it's ideal, right? Not yeah, everyone has that luxury. I know that we're no, seeing a lot no. of people uh, relocate at quite short notice, but also to give those parents and, and children some reassurance that, so you're taking yeah. children into year 10, second year of year yeah. 10 is possible, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so we we came across, and, and William, my oldest, is a really good example of this. We came across in April 2020. So obviously, start of the pandemic, my first term as head had no pupils in the school, which was a, an interesting one. But William came across and effectively his first real term in school then was the start of year 10. We, uh, or he, for the last eight years, had been learning Mandarin. And obviously, we wanted him to carry on with his Mandarin. And so he actually took his Mandarin GCSE in year 10, at the end of year 10. He did one year of sort of private tuition. And then as a school, we, we don't actually teach Mandarin as a subject, but we can facilitate the, the subject and, uh, and facilitate the exams and so on here. So um, he was able to keep going with that. And I think it's really important to be able to keep going with those you know, subjects and, and, and alternative elements. And some of our pupils do, you know, take alternative languages in particular. And that's a good example. But similarly, as I mentioned earlier, you know, he had done in some of his history topics, he had done some history elements that we hadn't yet got onto at St. Lawrence. And similarly, hadn't done some of the other things. And so there was an element of, of catching up for him to do. But again, his tutor really coordinated it for him and, and made sure that that he knew all, all of the, the different elements that he had to do. And that is the advantage of boarding. There's so much more time available. And Absolutely. as you say, the parents don't have to. I think that's a huge advantage. Just to go back to, we can't talk about boarding school in the UK in a Hong Kong context without talking about some of the travel uh, restrictions and the challenges of, of all of that over the past few years. And um, mm. so also, I know maybe we can go back to Adam in the house. So can you talk to us about how you support the students over holidays and weekends if they're not able to travel back? And what are your requirements in that respect? Yeah, it's probably worth pointing out that we have three, three terms in the year. The terms are divided into half terms. And then in most of the half terms, there'll be the offering of an exeat weekend, which is a longer weekend. And at a number, number of boarding schools, there's an expectation there for pupils to actually travel to their guardians to spend the weekend or even in some cases travel home. But our offering actually is more complete and uh, our exeats are non-compulsory, which means that our pupils and, and boarders can actually stay in the school and take a bit more time to have a longer weekend with us with the opportunity to go on extra activities, visit local places that they might not ordinarily have the time to, or, or you know, or do some sort of bespoke, exciting activity. In, in recent years, we've had escape rooms and you know, trips to the cinema, and um, just to offer the pupils a bit of a break from their learning, a chance to uh, you know regenerate, get some energy, to regroup, and then and get ready for the the final part of that. I think it's really nice that they get to stay with us, and that we'll always have staff available across those longer exeat weekends too. Mm, that's um, that's. A you mentioned travel as well, Ruth, and I think it's um, I think it's you know in the current climate, I can see why travel arrangements might raise our anxiety somewhat. But we we do our very best to alleviate that anxiety by having a number of people within the college whose job it is to, to have a full understanding of when travel is going to occur and to offer support, whether it's a 
coach to the airport at a particular time or myself, I can book taxis for pupils to make sure that they get to where they need to in exactly the right way. And again, it's just about having that, that good communication across parents, guardians and people in my sort of position at the school to make sure that travel arrangements are in place long before we need to act upon them. Mm. So it's great that the students can stay during the exia. Exia is a weekend where a lot of schools require the children to go out, but you don't require that. How about for the holidays, like the half terms and the Easter's of of your Hong Kong students? They've got guardians locally or, or how does that work? Yeah, in fact, um, in my house in Tower, the guardians for half of my boys are just on the street outside the school. So really, there's no travel at all. Uh, It's just a short walk to someone that they've known for a long time who offers them support during half term. And most of the time, the guardians are local enough to get there in one simple trip. And so the pupils are certainly well supported in that respect with someone who's just slightly detached from the school in a slightly different role who's there for them across the half term. And how is that arranged? Do you arrange that or does the the parents have to arrange that on their own? The parents would normally make the initial move towards getting a guardian, but it's something that the school would be happy to help with in terms of offering, you know, people that we know, people that we have experience with and people that we have a long-term relationship with. Mm. Okay, thank you. Should we talk a bit bit about your location? And I know that a lot of Hong Kong parents are very, very, very keen to be within somewhat of a a distance of, of London. Can you just tell us, you know, what's your experience? Is that important? And how far are you from London? Not that far, I think. No, it's um, well, a couple of different things. First of all, from the airports, we're about an hour and a half from Gatwick and about an hour and three quarters from Heathrow. So re- really quite uh, quite easy in, in a one-stop shop, as it were. And then going to London, we're about an hour and a quarter on the train at the moment, although the high-speed train is hopefully um, going to be complete next year, which should take it to under the hour. How important is it? I think it entirely depends on whether you've got family in London or or not. As Mr. Gunn said, if you've got a, a guardian or, or family who are, who are acting as guardians for you, then within striking distance of London might be quite important. But the reality is there's an awful lot that there is in this local area. You know, we've got the beach just a kilometre away and the open space, and you wouldn't get that were you much, much closer to London. So having that as an option... You know, uh, the weekend we have sailing. We have one boy, actually, who's a kite surfer, a fantastic kite surfer, doing it not quite at international level, but but not far off. So he's off down to the uh, to the beach at the weekends and, and some evenings to practice. We've got Canterbury, beautiful historic city, just about half an hour away. And of course, we've got Ramsgate, Broadstairs, other really nice sort of local, local towns. Surrounding us, there's a, a shopping centre that I think Esther alluded to. And Asda and a Primark, it's very important. Yeah, absolutely, and a Nando's and a McDonald's and all sorts of (laughs) things like that too. So yeah, there's plenty of different sort of options to go to here. Yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously it's, it's reasonably close to London if that's just a, an hour and a half on, on a bus. And the weather is a little bit more clement in the south of the country as opposed to the yeah, north. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're, I think we're technically the, the driest and sunniest part of the UK, which is quite a nice uh, position okay. to be in. There you go. So you, you alluded, obviously, to the sorts of activities and, and the space that you have, obviously, that no Hong Kong school can even come close. What are the other aspects? You know, you taught in Hong Kong for, for more than seven years. What are the key differences that you see that a school in the UK, boarding school in the UK can offer, or even as a day student, for that matter, because yeah. we're seeing more families relocate, that you just can't achieve in, in a Hong Kong school? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the space is, is definitely something. So to, and and also, I mean, you mentioned activities. Of course, we, we would have activities in, in Hong Kong-based schools, of course. 
But just to give you an idea of the sort of activities, on Friday evening, we had a, our summer soiree concert in the, held in the chapel, which had everything from some unique classical music through to our orchestra playing the Muppets theme tune as well, as well as some individual performances. So a vast array of different uh, music. On Saturday evening, we had our house master chef, which was fantastic. We're very fortunate in that one of our parents was a lady called Chetna McCann, who was uh, very famous for, for going through Bake Off a few years ago. Um, so she came in and was one of our guest judges. And then yesterday, I went out and played tennis with one of my sons. And there were, it was lovely, actually, all around us. There were, we have two astroturfs at the school. One was, one's a sand-based astroturf. We were playing tennis on that. There were probably another, I don't know, 15, 20 odd people playing tennis there. There were others who were playing football on the on one of our pitches. And we've got a double-sized sports hall as well. You know, there, there was a basketball and a volleyball game going on there. So as you say, ju- just to have that space is fantastic. And actually... We're developing even more of it at the moment. We have a, a farm as part of the grounds and we're, we're appropriating more of that. So we've just developed two new pitches up on our uh, on our playing fields or two new rugby pitches and a new football pitch and a new sort of recreational space up there. So to have that that space around really does make a big difference. And actually sport is, is something that's really very much a part of the, the key element of the school. We're, we're one of the top 100 sports schools in, in the UK, primarily focusing on hockey for boys and girls, on cricket for boys and girls, and rugby as well as netball for the girls. And I think, again, having that space, having that sort of wealth of coaching really, really helps. I mean, I'm used to being at the football club and playing on a, a postage stamp, and it's lovely to be back where you know each team has their own pitch. It makes such a difference. Yeah, I remember the first time we went to a boarding school with with my son was, um, you know, there's there's there are the rugby pitches in plural, yeah. and his, his jaw yeah. was was is in, it's hard to comprehend the amount of space that a absolutely. boarding school has in the UK if you've only seen Hong Kong schools. Absolutely, and things like our design labs, we've got a brand new. It's a, a steam building, so it's art on the top floor, two floors of science, and then design on the bottom floor. About three or four years old now, but to have those amazing sort of design facilities with all that space, we've got a three D printer. You know, we've got all sorts of different. things. Things. And in fact, we used our 3D printer when the when the pandemic first hit to create um, face visors for the local hospital. But you, you wouldn't really be able to do that with the space constraints that um, that we had in Hong Kong. Or certainly we we weren't able to where we were. Yeah. No, it's just not possible. It's um it's amazing. We are going to run out of time. We could talk and talk and talk. Um, I want to just go come back to the academic piece for for a moment. So we've talked about transitioning into year seven, eight, and nine, which would be ideal, as you say, to give the children the yeah. skills for learning. As we know, year ten and eleven is GCSEs, and probably better to uh, transition in year nine or beginning of year 10 but also possible during second year of year 10 now how about transitioning into sixth form directly and what would be the other issues and challenges especially if a child hadn't achieved um, GCSEs yeah we do have some pupils who come in from different systems and a lot of that is about just making sure that they're doing the right subjects and I think you know very simply it's about picking the subjects that you love, pick the subjects that you really enjoy and pick uh, the subjects, obviously, that, you, that you're pretty good at. And those two normally go together. Mm. It's not compulsory to have done GCSEs to go on to A-levels. I mean, we are very strictly a GCSE and A-level school, but you don't have to have done GCSEs to take A-levels. And A-level really is is still considered by university the gold standard. So it's a case of, of um, you know, picking the right subjects now. 
Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I think there's a quite a lot of misunderstanding the fact that you don't need GCSEs to go on to A-levels. Can you talk us through that a little bit more in detail? Yeah, the university is not looking at GCSE results? Uh, they will, but it, just because you haven't done GCSEs doesn't mean that you're then ruled out. Your university offers will be given according to your predicted A-level grades, and that will come from the end of your LERSIC, beginning of your UPSIC, when you apply through the UCAS system. You would have been at the school then for at least a year. The teachers would have got to know you, your tutor and house master, house mistress would have got to know you really well by that stage. And they can then predict you know, an appropriate grade that you should be getting. Now, obviously, if you've never studied geography before in your life, in any form, it's probably not wise to take geography A-level. But if you've gone through, you know, an MYP or, or a different program, and maths is something, for example, that you're really good at, then, you know, it'll be perfectly appropriate to take maths. And, and what we will do, again, is have a test on entry to check that, that you're at the right level. And that's not a, a very restrictive, or you can't come to St. Lawrence, then that's a, you know, where do you sit? What, what, um, uh, what do you know? What don't you know? What gaps do we need to, to try and fill? And we'll always help people and, and guide them. But we'll also be realistic. If somebody wants to take, you know, further maths A-level and their maths just really isn't up to it, then obviously we'll advise against them. In the same as we were with careers, we've got a, a fantastic careers advisor and another good example. So William, my oldest, has just done his ISCO or recently did his ISCO Morrisby testing sort of profiling to give you different types of careers. And that really helped him to think about right, what A-level subjects is he going to do? He sort of tracked back. He's quite interested in the sort of finance and accounting side of things. Right. So, you know, maths, economics and geography, that sounds like a really good combination and it will fit that uh, that sort of university course really well. So looking at it in both ways is really helpful. You know, what do I really do? What is it that I enjoy? Which subjects will I therefore do the best at? But also, what's my end goal? And having a thought about where you want to. Now, you don't have to, at the age of 15, 16, know what career you're going to go into, because as we all know these days, people are going to be having four, five, six different careers when they're older. But having some sense of, of what's out there, I think is really important. Is it true that there's a stereotypical Hong Kong students that will stick with a lot of the sciences and maths? I think inevitably there will be an element of that. But in the same sense, everyone's an individual and uh, there are plenty who don't do that. And again, I think it's really about finding out what's best for that individual child. And, you know, in our sort of one of our taglines, if you like, is nurturing every individual. And I think it's really important when you come to a a UK-based school, that you get one that really will do that um, and not just says it on the tin. And I think, you know, with the, the community feel that we've got here, and actually it's one of the reasons I chose St Lawrence in the first place was because of that fantastic community sense that there is. And of course, when you're ahead, you have to think, well, where will my children thrive? And I would never go to a school where I, I didn't genuinely believe my children will be, will be happy, first of all, because if they're happy, we know they'll succeed. We know that they'll try hard. We know that they'll they'll do well academically. So it really is about finding just what's best for that child. And it may be that maths and sciences is best for that child and great. Um, it may be that it's not. And let's find exactly what it is that they really enjoy and, and then give them as many opportunities um, mm. as we possibly can. So can you talk us through a little bit more about how you get to know the children individually? I know you have a very interesting program for understanding not only their academics, but really their individual personality and character and even their feelings. Yeah, that's right. I might pass over to Adam because I've probably spoken for, for too long now. Um, but Adam, I'm sure we'll talk a bit about the AS tracking system that we use and the, and the support as well. Mm. 
Yes, certainly. We ask people to engage in a system called AS tracking. And we find it extremely useful because we know that if we reflect on our own lives, that uh, the teenagers are one of real flux and change. And that we go from being so much younger to so much more mature, independent and equipped by the end of our time in a secondary school. Now, that rapid change is bound to have an effect on young people and the way that they're socially adapting, getting along to both their academics, challenges in school, but also their, their relationships with their peer group and their relationship with adults. And we found this system called AS Tracking to be extremely useful in terms of giving, giving us some basic data as to how that pupil was adjusting and what they might possibly be going through. What I like about it is that the system is relatively gentle in terms of the output it gives us but um, also extremely practical. So a pupil might sit this assessment at one period in their life and the data might suggest that they're working extremely hard for perfection in many areas of their lives and that they're extremely dedicated and they're also extremely aware of how to adjust themselves to, to get on well with adults and to get on well with the outside world. And that's all extremely positive, but this system might just refer us to the possibility that that can be put the pupil or the person under a lot of pressure. And so it might encourage me in, in my capacity as a housemaster or a tutor to hold a conversation about how to relieve some pressure or how to develop a hobby or how to ensure that there's some downtime in the week. Another interesting readout might be from a pupil that is extremely independent. And, and the data might suggest that at that moment in time, they're enjoying their growing independence and their ability to learn uh, for themselves. And then as a result of that kind of you know, data readout, so to speak, it might encourage us to build systems for that young person to develop an increasing trust of others in order to take more guidance and instruction. And that's not because they're struggling. They might be a fantastic self-regulator and independent learner. But what would they gain from just being a little bit more flexible, a little bit more trusting of mentors, a little bit ready to take guidance and to reflect on how they, they can learn from the approach of others? What I really enjoy about using the AS tracking system is that I can share the data with the young person. It's theirs. It's not mine. They can take it with them when they leave. And we can focus on all of those very simple, often very gentle, practical suggestions. And I find that when, when we talk this through, you can see everybody's eyes light up. Do you know what that is me? That is a good suggestion. Perhaps I should work more in a group. Perhaps I could do this once or twice a week. And it just gives us a sense that we're, rather than reacting to something that might be a negative experience for people afterwards, as many schools might, rather than you know picking up the pieces and you know trying to put things back together, we might just be spotting a problem that could emerge in a month's mm -hmm. time, in several months' time, in the future. And we're talking about it before it emerges. So in a way, it's sort of preemptive support in, mm -hmm. for our people. And again, that's why it's been an exciting system to have at this school for the past few years. And we're growing our capacity to offer it. And I'm sure that it's benefited the people so much to leave having gone through the experience. Mm, that is really interesting. I've not heard this from other schools at all, as far as I know. So just to recap, it's a tool. Is it like a psychometric? Is it a questionnaire that the, the students yeah. take? Yeah, it's actually quite a fun, you know, it, quite a fun process for the pupils to go through. They can take it on their phone with their headphones in. They just need a bit of private space. It takes around 10 minutes, something like that. It doesn't take very long at all. Our pupils are quite used to going through the process and being asked to sort of update it because, as we said, they're in a period of rapid change. So, you know, one term might, is not the same as the next. And um, 
they're asked various questions about hypothetical scenarios and really it's not too personal so as to to make someone reluctant to complete it's actually more sort of playful and again they will look forward to resitting their their new assessment and seeing what the new the new readout suggests Mm. I think it's all just part of the whole culture of feeling, I'm speaking with my, my children's experience, you know, just feeling supported and cared for in a whole school environment where school becomes, you know, much more of the whole the, the life rather than school is separated from home. And, and I, I feel that's a huge advantage for boarding school in the UK. And that information is shared with parents as well, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank and you very much. It's all part of the, the sort of push on, on mental health and well-being. One of our assistant heads is actually a, a mental health or youth mental health first aid instructor. So she's just become an instructor. And we've sent an email out to all staff to say, you know, who'd like to be trained in, in youth mental health first aid. And already in the last few days, we've had over over 40 applicants for, from our staff, support staff, as well as teaching staff as well, saying, yes, that's something they want to do. And it just shows, I think, the level of concern and care that yeah. uh, it's so important to choose a school that has that. I mean, we've got a couple of students at the moment, which unfortunately the students are telling us that they just feel like they're invisible, that no one notices when they feel sad and things like that. And there's more and more of, and you know, it, that, that's that's a shame. Um, it, absolutely. It, it really is. And, and I think, again, the size of school can make a difference to that. Not saying that you can't get good support at a, at a large school, of course if they've got the right structures and systems, but it is easier to fall through the cracks. And, and that's one of the things I like about, about St. Lawrence, actually. We, we've got 425 pupils from year seven upwards. And so, you know, there's about 60, 65 pupils in each year group. Everybody knows everyone from a pupil point of view, but likewise from a staff point of view, they file past you on the way into assembly. You can spot straight away who's having a good day and who isn't because you know them all so well. Mm. We are running out of time. So maybe we could just end with, how should we end this? Maybe just... Three three points, Barney, that um, three advantages for you that you would suggest to Hong Kong families that boarding school in the UK advantages. Fantastic. I think the first one I'd say is look for a school that has a genuine sense of community, one where you know your child will be supported, where you know your child will be nurtured and where you get a good sense. I always talk about choosing a school a bit like buying a house. You know, you sort of walk in and, and within that first 30 seconds, you don't always know you'll definitely buy it but you always know if you're definitely not going to buy it. Um, and a school is the same. You, you <laughs> get that sense of this being the right place for your child. That, that's the first thing I would definitely look for. The yeah, second, I, I think, I think really lovely ad- advantage of a school is just the space. Now, it's not just about the space. It's about what you can do with that space. So like I said, you know, with the beach next door, the grounds, you know, we've got about 45 acres around here. You've got so much outdoor space and it's grass as well. And that might sound really silly, but when we used to come back from Hong Kong every summer, our children liked nothing more than to take their shoes off and run on grass, you know, nice soft grass, not spiky grass. So I think, uh, you know, that, that sense of space and also I think with that sense of space, you get a much greater sort of feeling of well-being, a sense of well-being, because you don't feel as though everything's piling in on top of you. And if you're if you're struggling in a day, then a walk around the grounds, you know, through the woods, etc., can just be really calming and and, uh, and a really nice element to it. And the third thing I think is just the, the, the tremendous amount of opportunity there is. I mean, that example I, I just gave you, the concert on Friday evening, the MasterChef on, on Saturday evening. Saturday afternoon, a number of those pupils who were competing in the MasterChef had also competed in their cricket matches against uh, another school. 
We've got, you know, a brand new art block, the design blocks where, you know, one of our pupils for their extended project qualification last term made their own go-kart, you know, out of a, an old lawnmower engine and, and sort of was soldering things together and so on. So again, to, to have all of those facilities in one place and to be able to tap into it, but similarly to have the support in the evenings of teachers where you know, if you're struggling with a piece of work or if you're if you just want a little bit of extra work, you've got people on site. Mm-hmm. And finally, sort of within that, that, that same sort of, you know, everybody on site and everything there point of view. You know, my my middle son in particular loves just going around after prep at, at 8.30 to 9.30 every evening and just kicking a ball around, you know, or when it's the summer playing tennis or playing volleyball or basketball or whatever it happens to be with all of his mates. And, you know, there's there's nothing better really than having that massive extended family to kick around with every day. Yeah, they're so lucky. I'm almost a little bit envious of my children (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't have that opportunity. So it it feels very, very fortunate to be able to give that opportunity to to our children. Absolutely. Um, So we'll finish off there. I've got one sort of very specific question, which I'll put to you later. If you do have questions that you're too shy to ask, or if you'd like to get in touch with St. Lawrence College later on, then just please fill out the form and we'll also get back in touch with you. Thank you for listening. And thank you to the parents that joined us this afternoon in Hong Kong or this morning in the UK. Thank you to Barney Durrant, Head of School St. Lawrence College. Thank you for joining us. Adam Gunn, Housemaster at St. Lawrence College. And Esther Ma, Year 7 student who had to go off to her assembly but she was she was great please give her my thanks for taking part so have a good rest of the day and we'll leave it there thank you very much okay goodbye thanks Ruth lovely talking to you goodbye everybody thanks for joining us goodbye thank you goodbye thank you for listening if you'd like to learn more about the Hong Kong education system and parenting and education news and trends check out our back catalogue all available to download for free You can also head over to our YouTube, Facebook or website for lots of free useful information for parents and educators. Links in the show notes. Until next time.